Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome to the program. I'm Andy. I know this is not smell radio, but it sure smells good in the studio today. And there's a reason for that. We'll get to it in just a minute. Uh, it is cold out there, folks. 30 degrees right now. And with the wind blowing at about 10 to 15 miles per hour, it feels like it's about 20. Uh, so uh, way colder than we're used to. Way colder than normal here in St. George. And there's even, if you look across the street at Sandtown Park, a skiff of snow across there. And uh, those of you, I don't have to tell those of you that parked your car outside last night. You had to worry about uh, ice and snow and crap like that. But uh, it, it, one good thing about St. George is very, very temporary. And I uh, have as guest today, Sean Christensen, Chamber of Commerce. Sean, thanks for coming in. Good morning. It's Appreciate great to it. be here. And Chris Connors. And Chris is here. He's a local business owner. We've got a couple of businesses actually here in town. Chris, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, you uh, you're, you spent a lot of your life in Vegas, right? Yes, almost all my life. Uh, you know, they had snow at Harry Reid. Well, it used to be, uh, I don't know what the airport's called now. I, I think it was Las Vegas International, and then it was McCarran. McCarran. Now yep. it's Harry Reid. But, yeah, they had snow at the airport in Vegas yesterday. Yeah, so. it was a really big deal when we had snow in Vegas. We had it once, and um, everyone, you know, talked about that for 10 years after yeah. the event. Shut everything know? down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thanks, guys, for coming in. Also coming up on the show, uh, we're going to have Brett Pruitt from Rowdy's Range talking about the gun safety. And, uh, boy, there was actually a guy that went crazy with a U-Haul. So you talk about gun gun control and gun violence, but a guy rented a U-Haul and ran over some people and killed them. You know, just oh, no. the terrible situation. But uh, I don't think we can blame all the uh, craziness on guns. Uh uh, when you can kill someone with a U-Haul. He, went, he drove down a, a walking path and ran people over. It's an awful, awful situation. Uh, also coming up, we're going to have the new superintendent of schools for Washington County. They named a new superintendent yesterday. His name is Richard, and uh, right now his last name slips on my Is it Holmes? You guys yeah, know. Yeah, I think it is Holmes. Yeah. Hey, way to go. You guys are on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about, uh, first, well, let's start with Chris. Chris, talk about your businesses first, how long you've been here, what it is you were trying to do, I believe, I really believe this with all my heart, you came into town with a different business model than a lot of other people. Some people want to buy a franchise and, you know, there's another Wendy's, there's another Subway or whatever. Uh, but you came into town with some fresh ideas. Tell us about it. Yeah, so we, we came into town. I had the, um, a relationship with one of my good friends who was going to be our head baker at uh, Farmstead. Mm -hmm. And um, it was made from scratch, European-style bakery. Um, and we opened in uh, March of 2021. Um, mm -hmm. and it was just kind of like a different way, you know, I, I going through St. George, you kind of just see national franchises, yeah. um, or, or at least that's what you used to see up until recently. And I felt like, um, St. George was, uh, no pun intended, it was hungry for a change, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that's why, you know, if you Googled baguettes, um, the only baguette that would, uh, come up on Google was Harmon's. Mm. And I said, well, you know, there's just there's there's no community bakery type right. of thing. So that spot became available underneath the Jewel on uh, 200 and Tabernacle, and we took it. And um, you know, March 2021, we opened. Talk about what a bakery is, because I think most of us grew up thinking bakery. Oh, that place inside the grocery store where I can buy some glazed. That. 
to my in my mind now now that I learned what a bakery really is <laughs> that that's not really what a what a bakery is well no and and it actually opened up my eyes too on what a bakery is because mm-hmm. I consider myself more of a restaurateur mm-hmm. or business person um and you know self admittedly i'm I'm a terrible cook um I'm, my goal is to just uh, hire talented people and yeah. give them the tools that they need so, to succeed. So you're smart. You're not, I'm doing this. You're, I'm going to hire the guys to do this that know what they're doing. And I had no clue how time consuming a bakery is. I mean, mm-hmm. we have people there at 3 a.m. in the morning mm-hmm. um, up until, you know, right around uh, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And they're constantly, I mean, m- when you make everything from scratch, um, you know, I mean, it's easy to just get something frozen, yeah. uh, bake it off or whatever. But when you make everything from scratch, like a true European bakery, yes, it is very difficult uh, to pull off and and to do well. No shortcuts there. No yeah. shortcuts. Let me pull this out of the freezer and stick it in the oven. No, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Yeah, it it so, does not. So you got Farmstead Bakery right downtown. At, what's the address again? Uh, Eighteen South Two Hundred West. And then, uh, and more recently, you've opened a new restaurant. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so that one's called Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, um, and and that is a Mediterranean-style restaurant. Um, that is, like, where you go in, you make your own bowls. We have pitas, um, you know, obviously, like, fries and, and some things for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's more of, like, a healthier-style uh, restaurant. So it's a good balance between uh, Farmstead and... Uh, Kairos. I mean, you could kind of switch off one by one every day. You could get your sweets and your treats at at <laughs> Farmstead, and then if you're, um, you know, if you're looking to eat uh, healthy, everything there at Kairos is made from scratch. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a phenomenal executive chef. Uh, his name is Josh Clark, uh, and he and he made everything. That entire menu uh, was from him. He has a, wow. a past in uh, Las Vegas. He owned a place in Las Vegas that was very successful, <clears throat> and he was just looking to come out and make a move. We're lucky enough to have him, um, and uh, yeah, he he's been here for probably about six months now. Do you have you personally? Do you have a go-to dish there at Kairos? So we have like three main entrees for the most part. We have a Kairos bowl, and you just pick your grains, your greens, your proteins, and then your sides and accompaniments and all that kind of stuff. And then you have a pita with you know uh, fries or a, a mixed green salad. Mm-hmm. And then you have a, a main street bowl, and we put fries on the bottom. And it's kind of like okay. indulgent, um, you know. If someone wants kind of like a cheat day, um, that's that's what we suggest. <laughs> oh, cheat day, okay. But my go-to is is definitely the Kairos bowl. I mean, it's pretty substantial, um, and and our feedback from um, our customers have been has been really positive so far. So we're we're super happy about the way things are going. How long has Kairos been open? About four months. Okay. Yeah, it took over what was formerly the one hot grill. Okay, right. Uh, so that's on right Tabernacle downtown. in Maine. Yeah. Okay, Tabernacle in Maine. Very good. I'm getting hungry just talking about it. He's <laughs> <laughs> Chris Connors. We'll get back to Chris in a second and talk about a work environment and how to keep employees and how to keep employees happy because that in today's weird environment with people, some people not wanting to work or whatever, that's kind of important. Let's uh, bring Sean back in, though. Sean, uh, you're sitting closest to the uh, to the uh, Farmstead Donuts over there. Yeah, I'm fighting the I, urge I don't know to how you're doing it, man. Cause jump in on those pages. We've got to talk on the radio. You can't have a mouthful while you're talking. It doesn't <laughs> sound very good. But uh, Chris is a great example of someone who came to town and and dove basically headfirst into community, into you know small business, local community, getting involved. Uh, I guess you you would say Chris is a pretty good example of what the chamber is looking for. Chris is exactly 
the type of person that is attracted here to St. George mm-hmm. and to Washington City is, is because we all know that, that recently St. George and Washington City were number, number two and number one, right? Washington City was number one, St. George number two by Wallet Hub for being... Small business. Yeah, best place to open a small business. Yeah. And we are very business friendly around here. And people who are focused on community and focused on not just opening their store, but actually being part of the business community as well as the general community, that's who we, who we love to invite into our, into our market. And anybody who's looking to give back and be part of making this a better place to live, that's absolutely who we're most interested in. What, uh, Chris, when you came here, uh, I was really struck by the fact that you weren't, you weren't just here opening a business. Uh, yeah, I'm here. I got a business to buy my stuff. Mm-hmm. You were here to integrate yourself sure. into St. George. You, you, you moved here. Uh, you opened, you put your heart and soul into this business. Uh, what kind of difference has that made? And why did you decide to do it that way? Um, to me, Restaurants are all about relationships mm. and the relationships you have with your customers and the relationships you have with the community um, in general. Um, so to me, it was just something I do. Uh, I, I did that in Las Vegas. We still have two restaurants in Las Vegas, but um, and we have two restaurants here. And community involvement is, is huge. Um, it helps you, number one, it helps you recruit people. Um, if you're active in the community, um, you know, like yesterday, we gave sem- 75 sandwiches to Switchpoint for wow. Valentine's Day. I mean, it's snowing awesome. outside. It's cold, <laughs> you know, but um, at the end of the day, when you improve little things like that in your community or you give um, if you have if if you can afford it, you know, um, that's a big uh, that's a big deal. And it, yeah. and it goes a long, long way to improving y- your community environment. What uh, what attracted you to St. George in particular? You're from, you know, you're a Las Vegas guy. Why St. George? So my wife and I uh, lived uh, for a short time in Springdale, Utah. Okay, right by and, the, right by the uh, National Park. Yeah, and, and just talk about one of the most beautiful places on earth. Yeah. Um, and I was just really attracted to St. George. Number one, the size. Number two, the people. Um, I feel like there's a, there's a positivity here. Um, more so probably than in Las Vegas where, you know, some people, I feel like some people may be rooting against you in, in those <laughs> bigger terrible. cities, yeah, right? Oh, I understand. Um, and, and then, uh, I mean, St. George people were behind us 100% right from the beginning, starting with like the chamber, um, you know, uh, like elected officials, things like that. And then our customer base and the people who live in the city are just excited for our success, which is just goes a long way. And, and it really... Uh, pays dividends when you're involved in the community, as I was saying earlier. Nice to have people rooting for you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But you great. look at it as a team, you know. Um, look at the teams that accomplish great things. Uh, everyone's pulling in the same direction, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's a great point. Uh, you got to, to speak. I, I don't know how this all came about because you kind of almost acted like, man, I can't believe I'm doing this. But they got you up on the podium here. I don't know. It's been two years ago or something. <laughs> And said, well, "Yeah, Chris Connors is here to talk about uh, the environment, the work environment, and and and, uh, and uh, giving it, creating a positive experience sure. for employees." Uh, you did a fantastic job, by the way. Thank I you. thought you spoke what twenty minutes or something up there and did a fantastic job. But uh, that's got to be as a business owner, this becomes a priority now in these weird times that we live in. You've got to keep employees happy. They have to want to come to work, not just for a paycheck, but want to be there. How do you do that? 
Well, number one, I think you have to offer flexibility, uh, flexibility with the schedule. Um, mm-hmm. You have to pay them well, um, and that that takes um, that takes a lot of, I would say, talent um, because you have to work out the math. You can't just pay everyone whatever they want to make. Right. Um, so you know that that's a that's a balancing act that you know not a lot of people can do, and restaurants really get in trouble with that. Yeah, I mean, you have such a low profit margin. Right. Restaurants have probably a ten to fifteen percent profit margin, but that could easily get out of hand. Your parents, you know, your employees, whatever they want to be paid. But you know, we offer um, health insurance. Um, you, you could request off any time you like. Um, you know, I've never told someone they can't spend time with their family. Um, right. You know, I want to spend time with my family. It's unfair to me to say, hey, you know what? That day that you want off, we can't give it to you. You have to work. That to me is a little silly. Um, you know, so you're trying to offer all those things to your to your employees. And um, now that, that we've kind of uh, gotten going for the first two years or, or, or what have you, mm-hmm. um, now we're, now we have a great team. We have a really well-balanced team that we put together. So, um, I'm really happy with the employees that we have. They're great people. Now I know you can't speak for other businesses, but it seems like those things should be a priority. Uh, is it realistic to have, do you think every business should be able to do that be a little more flexible with its employees, pay a little bit better, but not just the money, but you know, because money is money, right? Right. But it's about you know, uh, I don't know, having having parties, having doing things for employees. You know, benefits that you wouldn't get at somewhere else. Is that realistic to do everywhere? Do you think? I think it's uh, really understanding what your employees want. Some employees don't want to do parties. Right. Some employees don't even want to be. They want to clock in, clock out, go home, be left alone. Which is fine if they do their which job. Which is fine. Which yeah. is which is great if they do their job. And some employees really want the involvement. Um, I think that's, that's what you really need to ask yourself as an operator or an owner. What, what do I want to do before you even open your business? Um, how, how do I want to treat my employees and what kind of employees can I recruit? Do, uh, do you find yourself with this model, uh, retaining employees a long time? Do you, do you get people that stay there for six months, a year, two years, four years? Yes. Um, so in Las Vegas, we have um, employees that have been with us. So our taco shop in Las Vegas, uh, we've had people, uh, employees that have been with us since day one. So six years. Wow. Um, our turnover there is uh, very, very little, um, very small. Same with the local, the wine bar that we own in Las Vegas. Our turnover there is practically nothing. Mm. Um, now at Farmstead, we hired college kids. Um, from Utah Tech, so they go, you know, they go uh, and and start their careers. They graduate, they, go, they graduate. Yeah. So that was something that we had to take, um, you know, take in and and really see what we wanted going going uh, with the with the future of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're getting uh, a little bit, I would say, older um, demographic to work more, a little bit more mature with when it comes to those those jobs. Um, so. It, it really just all depends on where you see yourself as a company, you know, two, three, five years down the road. Um, but are you willing to pay those people so they do stay? I'm curious what your take is on minimum wage, because I, I had an, a business owner in here a few weeks ago, and he said, the minimum wage means nothing to me, because what really means, uh, you know, what you pay people is what do you have to pay people in order to keep them in order to you know if you want a chef you've got to pay you can't pay him seven 
you know, in a quarter of an hour. Or if you want, you know, a, a really good uh, server, you can't pay them, uh, you know, a, a minimum amount of money. So what what is your take on the minimum wage? Yeah, I think a minimum wage uh, f- for me, I I couldn't even tell you what the minimum wage is right now mm. um, because it's it's not important to me. Um, we start everyone over a minimum wage. Um, and really, when I interview an employee, I said, well, what do you want money, money-wise? What do you want? You'll be surprised. Some of them just say, you know what? I want uh, $10 an hour. I want to work my way up. I want to I want pay increases or something like that. Now, we used yeah. to pay everyone when we first opened $11, $12 an hour. Now, our starting wage is 13 14 and that's with gratuity. So some sometimes, you know, uh, they're making 18 to $20 an hour, which is a pretty good-paying job. Um, especially if you get insurance with yeah, it, yeah. Um, and you get any requests off you want, uh, you know, we had someone last year request twenty eight days off. Ooh. You know, but I don't I, get that. We need I, to talk right? to my boss. I don't get that either. <laughs> <laughs> get about two. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we want our we want them to be happy because a happy employee creates a happy environment, mm. and uh, customers notice that. I think. That's why people stay at your taco store for six years, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, Sergio and Sylvia, they've been with us since day one. Incredible, incredible. Do you have a take on the minimum wage, Sean? Any thoughts on, uh, I mean, business owner, like like Chris was saying, the, the profit margin is slim. You've really got to do your homework and your math Absolutely. to make it all work. But, uh, you know, minimum wage, I think a lot of business, business owners are like, that means nothing to me because I've got to pay them what I've got to pay them. Yeah, it, what I've understood from all of the business owners that I've had an opportunity to interact with is exactly that. Like minimum wage is a non-concern because you can't really hire anybody at minimum wage anymore. And and whatever Utah's minimum wage is, the market is dictating more. And so in order yeah. to get good employees and in order to retain employees, it's pretty rare you're going to find a business paying in the $7.35 range, right? Yeah. So. Well, and two, you have to consider, I guess, as a business owner, I need employees, but to buy a house here, mm-hmm. it's going to cost them $400,000. And, yep. you know, they, you can't buy a house, a $400,000 house if, at $8 an hour. It just, the math doesn't work. Where did you find a $400,000 house? They're, they're out there <laughs> I'll now. I'll take it. They're out there now, yeah. The prices have come down a little bit. Unfortunately, the interest rates have gone up so much that your house payment is still through the roof That's on exactly those. That's exactly right, yeah. Uh, as, as, as well. But uh, all right, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Farmstead Bakery. Um, and we do have uh, our next guest coming up here in a couple of minutes. But uh, tell, tell me, now people say Farmstead Bakery, okay, so I can go get donuts there. Yes, you can. There are donuts. Sure. But that's not really what Farmstead is, right? No, I mean, we're so much more than just a donut shop. I would say pastry, first and foremost. Okay. Um, croissants. And they smell really um, good right now, by yeah, the way. Yeah, danishes, <laughs> things like that. Um, and then, you know, we do cakes, cakes by the slice. We do a ton of catering lately. Oh. Um, people just calling up and saying, hey, I have a catering for 100 people. Can we do sandwiches and salads and, and pastry? Um, so that's been super popular lately. Uh, so we do also offer sandwiches, salads. Um, cakes by the slice, tarts, uh, croissants, cronuts are now a big deal. So that's a croissant and a donut mixed. And we make that from scratch, like everything. And, um, man, I, um, I'm going to tell you what I, I had a pistachio cronut two days ago. That was one of the best things I've ever had in my life. (laughs) I mean, that thing was crazy. And I just (laughs) went up to the person who, uh, who made it. And I just told her, I said, this is the best I mean, it was one of the best pastries I've ever had. Wow. And um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that, 
those little things, and we're always we're constantly doing something new. Um, okay. we're, we're constantly trying to create something. I was talking to Sean before we came on air. It was, it was, if you are creating something, you have to let a manager taste it, and then we we taste it during our manager meeting and we critique it. So, um, you know, and that's a whole learning process, especially for young chefs. Um, and and we're pretty hard on them so, uh, they could get discouraged, but at the same time, you know, as, as long as they're consistent with their, with their craft, um, it'll, it'll breed commitment. And, um, if they're committed to something, they're going to, they're going to do great things. Very good. He's Chris Connors from uh, Farmstead Bakery, which is address again? Uh, 18 South, 200 West. 200 West. Uh, and they do serve more than just donuts. They have oh, yeah. a, uh, actually a great place for lunch, too. The yep. Sandwiches and, and coffee. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's at Farmstead Bakery. Also, Kairos, which is Kairos. where? Uh, so that's 14 West Tabernacle. Tabernacle and Maine. 14 West Tabernacle. Very good. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming on today. And uh, looking forward to sampling some of that over there. Uh, <laughs> John Christensen of the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, people need to look into the Chamber of Commerce. I've, I've learned, and I'll, I've been doing this four years, I've learned that if you want to have a successful business, if you want support, you've got people, like Chris said, cheering for you. You want people who really want you to succeed, and they'll help you do that. You join the Chamber of Commerce. Tell us about the Chamber, how we get involved with that. Yeah, so joining the Chamber is, is just the first step, and then activity in the Chamber and participating in all the different things that we offer. We offer a lot of different uh, networking events and sharing in the Brain Trust. We've got really smart people like Chris. Chris spoke for, for us at the uh, RISE Summit actually was only back in September, um, yeah. which he, he gave his 20-minute take on how to retain employees. And, and all of these things we put together to help businesses grow. And one thing I find with St. George businesses is, is that they want one another to succeed. Yeah, isn't and, that cool? Yeah, frenemy yeah. really exists here, right? Like, <laughs> like it's like, hey, we may be competitors, but if, if, if we all succeed, then it's a better environment and a better working environment for everybody. And so... Um, so that's been fantastic. I just want to put in a plug that my favorite uh, item over at Farmstead, this yeah. is before I met Chris, I told him this was a spiritual experience the first time I met him. <laughs> they have their croissant with with sausage, egg, and cheese. Ooh. It's oh, yeah. like nothing you've ever Ooh. had. Yeah, the George breakfast sandwich. That's it's worth every penny. Yeah, that thing's <laughs> insane. Yeah, I, we delicious. go through, so last Saturday we went through 120 of those. <laughs> really? 120 we sold. So and get we only early? sell them for the first four hours we're open. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, guys, thanks for coming on. It's really great to talk to you. Appreciate it. Again. Thanks for having us. Andy. Chris Connors, Sean Christensen, and Farmstead Bakery in Kairos. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, check in with weather. When we come back, we'll have that new superintendent of schools on the air here on the Andy Griffin Show. All right, welcome back. Whew, busy show today. Uh, let's go right now to the phone line. Uh, I think Steve is with me. Is Richard there as well? What's going on, guys? Yes, we have you here. I'm sorry we have you on speaker. Is that okay? No, it'll, it'll work just fine. I appreciate it. Tell us now about what happened yesterday uh, with the Washington County School District. Okay, so the, uh, the Board of Education, after months of review and interviewing applicants, they uh, they finally let us all in on the secret, and they have kept this a pretty good secret. Yeah. Um, and, and they they selected Richard Richard Holmes as our new superintendent of schools that will take effect on May one. So that gives him what a month or two to train with Larry. Is that the deal? 
the fact is, is he's been training with Larry for the past several years. And, uh, uh, well, well, Richard, why don't you tell us about it? Um, yes. Uh, good morning. Um, good morning for the opportunity, opportunity to visit with you and, and certainly humbled and, um, excited for the new appointment. And I've been with Larry for 10 years as his assistant. So we believe the transition will be smooth and, uh, seamless, um, I'm grateful for Superintendent Bergeson and, and his leadership for our whole district, but also for his guiding influence for me. Well, I I appreciate you coming on on really short notice, and, and I know you've got to be somewhere just in, in a couple of minutes, uh, but uh, can you tell us a little about uh, what what your goals are? I'm, I'm sure a new job, you've got some things in mind you want to accomplish. Um. Yeah, you know, I certainly, and that's a great question right out of the box. Um, you know, it's I, we have an amazing district, just um, incredible employees, wonderful teachers. I started here my career uh, many years ago as a special education teacher, so I my heart is is very dear to the teachers and what they go through and the effect and positive influence they have on our students. So I, and then our administrators are, they are the very best in this state as well as our teachers. And we have amazing students. But it's, but one of my main focuses is making sure that uh, uh, we continue our, our efforts and to ensure safety for our students. But in terms of the classroom, it's easy to get caught up uh, with new and innovative ideas. Um, but truly one of my focuses is doing what we can to um, focus on the the right things, and in essence, less is more. Um, I, w- I want to do what we see what we can do to just ease some of that uh, that burden that's on teachers and our administrators, on by focusing on the the very most important things, and and hopefully letting go of some of the things that maybe we worry about that we don't need to. It's a, it's a really big job. I know you probably don't try not to look at it that way, but there are, what, 35,000 students in Washington County School District? Yes, yes there, there are 36,000, 36. actually, and it is a big job. And it's, uh, But w- what is great is that I, I won't be doing that alone. We have an amazing school board that is very, very good at what they do. But I also have amazing administrators and an executive staff here at the district office that um, they they help with making those big decisions and carrying out the work to ensure our students are learning. You were right there with Larry uh, navigating through the whole COVID thing. Uh, we don't know what the future holds, what kind of challenges there are going to be, but uh, do you feel like that uh, you're equipped enough now to handle whatever may come Washington County's way? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that, that certainly um, made us fine-tune some things that we, we were, had never experienced before. Um, we, we do, and it's got us... Uh, lined up to, to make sure that if we need to do things remotely, uh, virtually, we can. Uh, our teachers were uh, responded uh, amazingly with um, their training and, and you know, with um, entering assignments uh, online now. And, and we even have students that uh, use that. If they're gone for a, a week or so, they, they get online and look at what the assignments are. 
So that was a big transition for us, and I think it helped prepare us and has prepared us for future things that will come our way. All right. He's Richard Holmes, new superintendent, Washington County School District. I know you've got to go. You've got places you've got to, you've got to uh, go and, and things you've got to do. But thank you for coming on today. Steve, maybe we can arrange to get him on uh, with our regular Washington County School District day. I think that would be great. I, I will talk with him and see if he's available in the next month or two. Very good. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day. Congratulations, Richard. It is 740 on KDX. It will take a very short time out. Brett Pruitt is here to talk firearms when we come back. Hey, welcome back. I'm Andy. With me is Brett Pruitt from Rowdy's Range, former a police firearms training professional. Brad, thanks for coming in, man. Hey, happy Wednesday. Are you working on your craft? Have you gotten... Uh, are, uh, I guess that the thing I was wondering about, a guy who's been shooting guns for a long time like yep. you, uh, is there room to improve still? Always. Are, really? Yeah, the, the mark of a good instructor is a perennial student, and uh, I am constantly hmm. attending new trainings, uh, constantly talking to other instructors, constantly challenging... Um, the curriculum that I teach, and it could just be changing how I describe something. It could be changing how I teach something. Um, everybody has an opinion in the gun world, and it's okay for opinions to change. You know, it's um, I have a blog post about um, Fairburn and Sykes. We're talking way back towards the uh, turn of the 20th century, 1900s, that era. Okay. Um, Fairburn and Sykes were the first to really put forth tactical training for, in this case, it was CIA undercover operatives, uh, but it applied to officers and, and those that carried a gun for, for their job. And the methods that they used at the time were the best for that day. They were, they were as good as it got mm-hmm. for back then. Obviously, several things have changed. You know, back in 1900, a flashlight was not a typical piece of equipment that someone carried. It was a lantern with a wick in it, you know, so not practical. So, you know, today we have flashlights. We have good sights on our firearms versus the little teeny metal nubs that you can't see in bad lighting. And, uh, you know, we have tritium in them. They glow in the dark and all that. So tactics have changed. Well, that's changed. One of the huge changes, one of in the more recent um, firearms news was the caliber wars. You know, everybody used forty-five, forty-five, forty-five is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And now we have the FBI, who back in the nineteen eighties, after their big shootout in uh, Miami, um, put some real scientific studies together to see. Uh, what works, what doesn't work, what you're actually looking a bu- for in a, in a bullet, and they came up with the 40 Smith & Wesson. And now, just recently, they're saying, well, the 9mm does everything you need a bullet to do because uh, we've advanced the technology in bullets so much that the juice isn't worth the squeeze on a bigger bullet. There's still debate out there on that, sure. um, and I don't have the final answer. But firearms tactics, firearms conventional wisdom if you will is constantly changing and so yeah i am always uh, training talking to other instructors networking um, just so i can give the best information that i have i had a couple of questions these are weird off the wall questions about the firearms and number one in england 
the reputation is the Bobbies, their police force, mm-hmm. they don't carry weapons. Is that true? And if it is, why and or why not? And how, how can they get away with that? The average street officer in London Metro does not carry a firearm. The Bobbies okay. don't. They do have specialized armed units. Uh, and if a situation calls for an armed officer, they'll call them in. And I, I was in London, spoke to a Bobby and, and asked them, and they said, you know, we would rather greet someone with a smile and a, a nightstick than we would with a, a gun hmm. and a, a scowl and whatnot. And that's that's kind of their attitude. And it, it's it's definitely a cultural thing. Um, okay. In, in England, most people aren't armed, even the officers. Well, the, the pot general populace can't own pistols. Hmm. Um, it's against the law. Well, they can own target shooting pistols. They're ridiculous-looking things. It's like a 1911 with a big, huge weighted oh, yeah, rod that. on yeah. the end of it, and and they can only transport it to the gun range, and you have to be a member of a club, and it, it, it's a pretty arduous process. They can do rifles and shotguns for hunting, but, again, the, the requirements are pretty pretty arduous, and so it's a different culture over there. And, I mean, it's, it is. It's different. You know, in the United States, we're not subjects to the crown right um thank goodness (laughs) yeah there was a war about that that, i heard yeah that that's a repugnant idea to us and you know over there they're subjects to the crown and and it's a little bit different so uh, but no in in most cases in in london metro area you won't find an officer with a, a firearm now in heathrow airport they'll have full auto mp5s but yeah but yeah yeah uh, and then somebody asked me the other day, what's the difference between a thirty-eight and a three eighty? So a thirty-eight is a revolver cartridge. This is the short answer. And a three eighty is a semi-automatic pistol cartridge. The three eighty was developed by John Browning okay. in roughly 1903, somewhere around there for his pocket model. Or 1908, excuse me. It's 1908 pocket model. And um, it's basically a... It's 75% the size of a 45 ACP, if you look at it that way. So okay. it's three-quarters the size of a 45 ACP. He developed it for that gun, and uh, it's got a 90-grain bullet traveling at roughly 950 feet per second. The 38 Special uh, was developed just prior to 1900. It was the first um, smokeless revolver cartridge. Um, hmm. And it fires about a 125-grain bullet at a little over 1,000 feet per second or a 158-grain bullet at 8, 850 feet per second. So the 38 is a little more powerful than the, the 380, okay. but two different uses, two different guns. My son has a 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he tell, first of all, it's more expensive. The bullets are more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but he tells me it's a, it's a better gun. I, I'm not convinced. My, I feel pretty good about my Glock. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, and that, like I said, that's one of those changes that's come in in, in the firearms world um, in the last t- decade or two. Um, I carry a 9 for most uses. Um, there's a saying out there, you, you carry a 9 in the neighborhood and a 10 in the woods, so 9-millimeter hmm. and 10-millimeter, but... Uh, so the forty-five is a great round. It's been around a long time. Believe it or not, the 9mm is actually older really? than the forty-five ACP. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Georg Luger developed the 9mm in 1902, and the forty-five ACP didn't come around until 1910, somewhere in there. Uh, so the 9mm is older, and it seems to be winning the caliber wars. 
And for good reason. You get a lot of bullets in a not big gun, and they, they do everything you can ask a bullet to do. Uh, I do carry a forty five on occasion um, and have no issues with it. I love the round. It's an accurate round. It's it's, yeah. it's a good round to shoot. But Okay, this came across the desk this morning. I wanted to get your comments. Two separate bills. I'm, I'm reading the news story here from The Wire. Two separate bills aimed at stopping gun violence are moving forward in the legislature. On Tuesday, the Senate Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice Committee unanimously advanced a bill that would require the Bureau of Criminal Investigation... BCI, to keep a record of how restricted persons got their guns. What do you think of that one? Um, I think it's going to be hard to track that because restri- yeah, yeah. restricted persons don't go through legal avenues to, to mm. obtain firearms. Okay, the other one, uh, the committee moved another bill to the full Senate on a two-to-one vote. That measure would waive the state's concealed carry fee for educators, school teachers. Public comment was split on whether teachers should have the responsibility uh, or obligation to carry a firearm in the classroom. I mean, school shootings, and we, you know, obviously right. it's, it's a thing. But do you think teachers should be able to uh, conceal carry without you know, having to take without advice. question. Now, I don't think it should be mandatory if teacher doesn't want to carry a gun. That's fine. But if they do, they should have unfettered access to to doing it. I'm I fully support that bill. Um, look, we ask our teachers to do a, a uh, monumental task. Yeah, big time. Um, they have huge classrooms full of kids. They're supposed, you know, in loco parentis. They're supposed to to be the parent for that amount of time and yeah, six, eight um, hours a day. Yeah. I put up with my kids for eight hours a day on the weekends and I'm ready to send them to school. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how they do it, but, um, no, if a teacher wants to take on that responsibility, not only to protect themselves, but their students and the, the school population in general, um, I'm all for it. Um, we did free training for teachers, uh, back after the the Sandy Hook incident, and it's something we probably need to do again, um, just because many of them probably already have training. But if they want training, we need to get them some good training. Uh, God knows they're not paid enough, so um, getting them some some training would be good as well. So let's, if you don't mind, let's take a minute and go back to some of the big school shootings yep. that happened and what might have changed had a vice principal, a principal, a school teacher been armed in those situations the the first big one that in our consciousness in our country was of course in littleton colorado columbine mm-hmm. yeah uh how do you think things would have changed had there been a teacher or two with a gun well here's the thing you've got two students with guns walking around for how many minutes how many hours yeah it was a while just mowing people down yeah and this is what we see these gun-free zones no, it's a target-rich environment for somebody wanting to, to cause harm to people. It's mm-hmm. not a gun-free zone. And it, it, it's like the saying goes, when seconds matter, the police are only minutes away. And again, mm-hmm. God bless our law enforcement officers for what they do. But on average, in any city in the United States, you have one officer per thousand residents. That's not on duty all the time. That's if you have a city of 100,000 people, the police department is probably 100 officers. Now, you've got your administrative people, you've got your school resource officers, you've got your patrol officers, you've got your detectives. So at any given time, you might have a whopping 
10 or 15 officers on, on patrol. Duty. Yeah. And to cover a city of 100,000 people, it, it can't, they can't be everywhere at any time. And it's like one of the callers said one time, you are the first responder. You're right. there. Um, and, and asking the government to do that. I mean, if you want to go to North Korea, the government will be there all the time, controlling everything, including what you eat, what you dress in, and, and all of that. But, um, yeah, in some a good guy with a gun confronting a bad guy with a gun uh, is always the better option. And what you would have seen is a greatly reduced or even elimination of, of the loss of innocent life. We see it in the mall shooting uh, in the Midwest, yeah, there in Indiana, guy 90, goes ninety feet with a pistol. That's right. a pretty good shot. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he did it. He's one guy with a gun, a good guy with a gun, and he stops a bad guy from a gun from mowing down all these people in the food court. Yeah, had nobody had a gun, the guy who knows how. What are they going to do? Yeah, who knows how bad that would have been? Right. Yeah. So it, I mean, I, I don't. To me, the answer is obvious, but. I guess when you have blinders on and you have a political agenda rather than seeking facts and, and truth, it, it's different. But We go down to Uvalde. Uh, obviously, I mean, that made a lot of us angry that the police took so long to go in there with an active shooter. Uh, imagine if the teacher in that classroom had had a gun. Yeah, or the uh, law enforcement officers had some... Yeah. It, Intestinal fortitude. I'm, that's, I'm, I'm a, that's a good word. Picking for it. my words wisely here. <laughs> a good word. For so, it. yeah. Um, again, violent people are not deterred by unarmed targets. It, it's you know. It. I'm not saying a gun is your only means of self-defense. Um, if you're being attacked, I have a saying in my class: you become hell in a very small place. And make that bad guy not want to be there anymore. Hmm. Um, but it it seems that when a gun is needed, it's the, about the only tool that'll do. And so, um, time and time again, I mean, you look at California, some of the most restrictive gun laws in the country. Right. And how many quote unquote mass shootings have they had in the last month and a half? A lot. One a day. One a day. Yeah. And a good guy in the dance hall with a gun could have saved lives. A lot of lives. Yes, so. I agree. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and, and, and we had, and I, unfortunately I couldn't find the details before we went on air here about the, the guy that rented a U-Haul. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was yesterday, I think, uh, and decided uh, for whatever reason, and it's, they said he was having a mental episode, okay. uh, mental health episode, but decided to ride his rented U-Haul on a, on a, a walking path and ran people over, people on bicycles, people on mopeds, people on, their, on you know, walking mm-hmm. uh, and became a mass murderer that way. Yeah. Didn't have a gun. No. I remember an incident or two, three um, airliners were hijacked and used as as weapons of murder. That's right. Um, 22 years ago. Yeah. So it's, a gun is a tool. That's all it is. So it's, you know, knives, chainsaws, pickaxes, whatever you, they're they're all tools. Shivs, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's Brett Pruitt, uh, Rowdy's Range. Uh, how do I find Rowdy's if, I'm, if I've never been there before? Um, it's at 610 Industrial Road. If you get off at exit 8, come north on 1000 East, take a right, and your very first left is Industrial Road. Come up six blocks. We're on the right-hand side. Give us a call on the phone, 
275-2550. They can find us online at rowdiesrange.com. Rowdiesrange.com. And uh, you know what? I'll meet you there. We'll, we'll go down there, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find Brett, and he can teach us how to shoot a little bit better. Awesome. Thank you, Brett. Good to talk to you. Tomorrow, Mayor Thursday, Mayor Randall is sick. She's got pneumonia, so we're going to have a councilman on. Uh, Danielle Larkin is going to join us on the air tomorrow.